All right, how's everybody doing today? You good? I want to welcome you. It's great to have you today. We are wrapping up an amazing five-week series that we've been doing here at Hope called Restore. And I'm excited to begin a brand new series next week. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, but our, if you're just joining us, the idea that we want to leave with you today is just this idea that there is nothing in your life that Jesus cannot restore. You believe that? There's nothing in your life that Jesus cannot restore. A broken relationship, a marriage, a generation, an addiction, sin. There's nothing in your life that Jesus cannot restore. And that's why Jesus came and he died on a cross and he gave his life and he paid it all to redeem us and to restore us, to restore our world and the brokenness in our world. And there is no greater proof of that. If you need any proof, there's no greater proof than the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, which we are going to celebrate here at Hope next week on Easter Sunday. And I just, I want to I encourage you to bring your family, to invite a friend. Because next week we are going to begin a, an incredible series called Powerful Questions Jesus Asked. And we're going to start with, with this powerful question that Jesus asked his first followers. It's, it's the question, who do you say I am? Very important question. Powerful question. Who do you say I am? It's a question that Jesus asked his very first followers, and it's a question we need to ask ourselves today. Who is this Jesus? And so it's going to be a great morning for you, and it's going to be a great morning if you have any friends or family members who have questions about, your, about their faith. So join us next week, Easter Sunday. Well, today we're going to talk about something that we interact with every single day. Something that I believe that Jesus wants to restore. Whether you are a church person or not a church person, it's something that we interact with every single day. And that's our money. And money is a big part of our life. And it's, it's something that God can restore. Years ago when I was in college, I worked as a bank teller. That was a fun job, really enjoyed it. I was a college student at the time, and uh, I didn't have any money being in college. And I always would tell people, I would say, well, even if I don't have money, that doesn't mean I can't play with somebody else's. Because I enjoyed that. I'm like, I don't have money, but I can play with somebody else's. And it was a fun job. It was great, you know. Got to, I, I remember a day when, um, when uh, the armored truck came in, and they always bring a huge bag of money. And, uh, and I was like, hey, how much is in there? He's like, yeah, probably like 180000 give or take. I was like, can I hold that? <laughs> you know, it was, just, it, was a, it was kind of a fun thing. Um, but every day was a good day, probably except Monday afternoons. And on Monday afternoons, um, we would always, Monday is a big day for deposits from businesses. And uh, we would always have the manager from the local subway come in with his bag full of subway money. And um, we learned pretty fast that Subway money stinks. You open up that blue bag and it smells like sweat and onions and marinara. I mean, it is disgusting. And so every afternoon, Mike would come in and all the tellers would like scatter, you know. But it smelled so bad. You open it up, you know, you count it. It, it, it really, it smelled so bad we couldn't put it back in our till. It smelled so bad we couldn't give it to a customer. There was, a, there was a can of deodorizing spray in the back. I'm not kidding you. And every Monday, some poor teller would be back there fanning out the money and spraying it with the deodorant <laughs> spray, you know? I mean, 
And, and it just goes to show, you know, you talk about the smell of money. You know, the smell of money, it isn't always good. <laughs> just, it's not always good. And the sad reality is that for many Americans, for many followers of Jesus today, um, we are living, many of us, in a financial stink. And you can just open up the bag and smell some of the statistics. It really is amazing. This first one, 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. I think a lot of us here today would say, yeah, you know, and 78% of us would say, I really need that next paycheck because I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And it's not just paycheck issues. The big, the big issue with our paycheck is a lot of it's going to pay off our debts. And, and the debt statistics in our country, and I think even in our own church, would be pretty staggering. You know, 8299 is the average credit card debt per household. 34000 average student loan debt per household. A lot of young people are, are really struggling with student loans and keeping them from making the next step in their life. $523 average monthly car payment. Average. You guys, this, we are living beyond our means. And it's scary because 40% of us can't even cover a $400 emergency. And so we charge it. We, we add to our debt. No wonder that, you know, 49% of us would say that we're concerned, anxious, or fearful about our current financial well-being. So I don't know where you're at with finances, but... Um, I have been doing ministry for over two decades now, and I will tell you that the number one area where people struggle to put Jesus first in their life, across the board, is with their money. We're not listening to Jesus. Look at this, we're not listening to Jesus. And Jesus had a lot to say about money. I don't know if you know that. Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell. He talked about money more than anything else other than the kingdom of God. We're actually going to look at a story today in Luke chapter 12 where a man actually comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, help me with this money problem. And if we'll listen to Jesus today, we can get out of some of the mess we're in. And we can get on a path to financial freedom and restoration. I believe that for you. I believe that for us. And even the principles that Jesus is going to share with us, even if you're here and you come from not a church background, these principles are going to help you. In your life. You just had a lot of wisdom when it came to money. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Luke 12. We're looking at verses 13 through 21. I love it. Jesus meets a guy with a money problem. Listen to what Jesus has to say. Luke 12, 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, I love that, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And he said to him, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told him this parable. A parable, for those of you who don't know, is just a, a short story with a big meaning. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, 
you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. This is the word of God. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thank you. We can come to church and, and uh, this can be a, a safe place where we can talk about struggles that we have in our life. And God, we need your help. We need wisdom. We, need, we don't want to live a foolish life. We don't want to live the parable of the rich fool. So teach us how to live for something bigger than ourselves. Now that it really would be good news. So help us today, God. Open our hearts, open our ears to listen to some of the wisdom that Jesus has to offer us. And we ask that in your name. Amen. So let's take a look at this story. This is an incredible story. And uh, Jesus meets a guy with a money problem, which I love. We can all bring our money problems to Jesus. And what Jesus wants to show this guy and what he wants to show every one of us today is, is just this simple idea that no matter how many money problems you have, more money will not solve your money problems. It won't. And I know you're saying, no, Brian, it would. It would solve my money problems. Actually, like if I won the lottery and I got, you know, $1.5 million, I think that would solve some of my money problems. I could retire, I could pay off my debt, I could pay my bills, I would be okay. Gosh, you know, I would tithe to the church if I could win the lottery. Make it rain, Jesus. It would be amazing. And it would be amazing until you realized that more money will not solve your money problems. In fact, we have a saying for this in our culture. More money, more problems. More money, more problems. And so actually what Jesus wants to do is he wants to expose this lie in our hearts that somehow more money could solve our money problems. I love this. I love Jesus. Um, he's teaching here. Just look at this story in Luke 12. He's teaching... And this must have been a memorable moment as it gets written down for us in Scripture. He's teaching. His ministry is growing. The crowd is growing. And in the middle of Jesus' teaching, somebody yells out. Can you imagine, like, middle of a, a, a teaching? Middle of it, he's just going on, you know. It's just great. And somebody yells out from the crowd, Teacher! Blurts out, interrupts everything. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. This guy's got a problem. He's got a money problem. We don't know all the details of it, but it's a big problem. He's even yelling at Jesus. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And we don't know all the details of this. Here's a guy, he's got an inheritance. He's sharing it with his brother. Now we know that culturally an inheritance couldn't be divided until the older, the oldest son agreed to it. And so we've got a younger son, a younger brother who's waiting and wanting some more money. And maybe he's thinking this money could solve some of my money problems. And what does Jesus say? To this guy who's waiting and wanting to get some more money. Maybe to solve some of his money problems. Brilliant. I love what Jesus says. This is brilliant. He says, 
He replies, verse 14, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, get this, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. What's Jesus saying? He's saying the problem isn't our money. He's saying the problem is our heart. Did you guys catch that? Our number one problem financially is not the number in our bank account. It's not. Our number one problem when it comes to money is right here. It's in our heart. And Jesus is saying more money isn't going to solve the problem in your heart. I love it. Watch out, Jesus says. Be on your guard against all kinds of what? Greed. Greed isn't a money problem. It's a heart problem. And then he says, listen to this. A person's life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. We struggle with greed. I've never had someone come to my office and say, Pastor Brian, I really need some counseling today. I am struggling with greed. Never had that problem come knocking on the door. Do we struggle with greed? Do I struggle with greed? I don't know. Let's ask Webster. Webster, what's greed according to Webster's definition? Let's just see. Do we struggle with this? Greed is a, this is Webster, greed is a selfish and excessive desire for more than some, than some more of something than is needed. It's a selfish and excessive desire for more than something that is needed. And I knew I hated Webster. <laughs> I knew I hated him. Do we struggle with this? Isn't that our culture today? We don't have money problems. We have heart problems. We have a greed problem. We have a problem of wanting more and more of what we have enough of already. And that's what greed is. It's wanting more and more of what we have enough of already. And money isn't going to fix that problem. That is a heart issue. That is a heart struggle. See, money doesn't change who you are. Money just makes you more of who you are. You look at a guy like Terrell Owens, big-time football player, made... $70 $70 million in his career. Isn't that crazy? People can know what you made, and that's kind of an awkward thing. But uh, he made $70 million as an NFL player. As of May 2017, you know how much he was worth? Zero. $70 million. As of May of 17, it's worth zero. And it's not, did you guys know Sports Illustrated? Just a little survey. 78% of NFL players will go broke when they retire. 78%. We shake our heads, but how many of us, again, are living paycheck to paycheck? 78%. Maybe it's not a money problem. Maybe it's just a heart problem. More more money isn't going to solve your money problems. I I know. we, We think, yeah, it'll solve it. No. It's not about more money. It won't solve your money problems. Jesus goes further, and and I love this. He says, uh, more foolishness 
won't solve your money problems. There's, there's a lot of foolishness going around with money in all of our lives, in my life. And, and Jesus is saying more of that isn't going to solve your money problems. Let's just look at where Jesus goes next. He says, teacher, tell my brother to invite, divide the inheritance with me. Here's a guy, he's, he's wanting more money. He's waiting for more money. And I love it because Jesus is like, man, he doesn't want to get in the middle of it. And he doesn't get into the middle of this money dispute. Instead, he tells a story. Classic Jesus. Let me just tell you a story. He tells him a parable. And it is a story that we know today as the parable of the rich fool. Right? Parable of the rich fool. At the end, he says, you fool. So where is this man's foolishness? We read it already. What's surprising is that at first glance, this man doesn't seem like much of a fool. He seems like a lot of us. He's pretty wise. He's successful. So why is this called the parable of the rich fool? And what I want to do is I just want to go through this passage. I want to ask ourselves, what's wisdom? What's foolishness? Where is this man a fool? So if you have Luke 12, just follow along. Verse 16, Jesus told this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So here's a man, and he's rich. He has money. Does that make him a fool? Is that foolish? Oh, he's rich. Does that make him a fool? No, the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil, does it? The Bible says that the, the love of money is the root of all evil. So the Bible is not against you having money. The Bible is against you loving money. The Bible is against your money having you. But being rich doesn't make you foolish. So he's a man who's rich. Jesus tells this parable. Round of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He's brought in this incredible harvest. What does he do for a living? He's sort of a farmer, right? Any of you know a farmer or do any farming? Angie's grandpa was a farmer. And here's what I know about bringing in a harvest. That takes a lot of work, doesn't it? And it really depends on the blessing of God. And what kind of harvest you're going to bring in from year to year. Here's a man who's worked hard. And God's blessed him. Is that foolishness? That's not foolishness. You know, the foolish thing would be to not work hard. And there is a foolishness that we read about in Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Proverbs 20, verse 4, the Bible says, the lazy person does not plow in season. Harvest comes and there's nothing to be found. That's foolishness. It's not his riches. It's not his hard work. We've got a man here who is wise. He's successful. He's been blessed by God. And he's just asking himself, what should I do? What should I do? Good question. I have no place to store my crops. What should I do? He's come by it honestly. He's worked hard. God's blessed him. So far, he's done nothing wrong. Verse 18. Then he said, Aha, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. What's he doing? He's just looking for a place to save the extra that he's been giving, given. So let me ask you, is it foolish to save? Is it foolish to save? 78% of us are living paycheck to paycheck, 
40% of us don't have enough cash to cover a $400 emergency. Church, we would be wise to save a little. In fact, Proverbs, this book of wisdom, encourages us in that. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but, but get the other side. The fool spends whatever they get. It really is foolish to spend whatever you get. What's he saying? Be wise and get rich? I'll just be wise, I'll get rich? That's not what he's saying, no. He's saying that the wise don't spend everything they get. And some. They don't take on bigger debts to build the bigger barn. The wise save some. The fool spends everything. So this isn't foolish. This is actually wise. So where did this man go wrong? Why is it the parable of the rich fool? Where is the foolishness? Well, let's listen again. And I want you to listen to what he says to himself. What's he saying to himself? What's his talk inside in his heart? Verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? I don't know if you hear it, but did you catch that? What is he saying? He's saying, I, I, I. My, my, my. Some translations say that he's saying to his soul. He's saying to the deepest part of himself. He, and he's talking about himself. He's saying, I, I, I. My, my, my. He has a barn stuffed full of self. And God says, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded of you. And who will get what you have prepared for yourself? I think what Jesus is saying is that if our bank account just says, I, 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 my, 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 he says that 11 times in three verses, I think Jesus would be saying to us today, you fool. Because you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. And that's what ha is happening in this man's life. He has a barn full of self, but it is empty of God. And Jesus says, verse 21, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. And I just, I want to challenge everyone here today and say, what's needed in our lives is not more money. It's not more foolishness. What we need to do is we need to step into the more that God has for us. And that's where true financial health and restoration is going to begin. It is living for more. That is the only solution to our money problems. It's living for more living for something bigger than ourselves, And that really is the beginning of financial wisdom and health. Do you guys hear what Jesus is saying? He's saying you were made for more. Do you guys hear that? There's more for your life. God has more for you than money and stuff. You were made for more. You were designed for more. There's more for your life than having a garage so full you can't even park your car in it. God has more for you than saving up your money to retire in Florida to play shuffleboard and eat at Cracker Barrel. I love Cracker Barrel. 
I probably love shuffleboard too. But there's more for your life. Jesus has more for you than that. You were made for a purpose that is bigger than money and stuff. That's bigger than having a barn full of everything you need where you can just say, oh, I'll take it easy. God made you for more than that. And what is that more? What is the more that God has for you? Why is Jesus challenging money's grip on our heart? Not so that we live on less, but so that we live for more. What is that more? It's the more that Jesus offered some fishermen one day when he showed up on the shore and he said, come follow me. And you know what they did? They left everything and followed him. And that's why Jesus came. He is inviting you into something more. That's why I went to the cross. That's why I rose victoriously. He has made available a kingdom. It's something so big, Jesus actually uses the word kingdom to describe the more that you're being invited into. It is a life where Jesus reigns as king, the one who loved you and gave himself for you. He reigns over your life and he is inviting you into more. And how do you step into that? Just like those guys on the shore. You say, you know what? I trust you, Jesus. And you follow him. And that's how we enter the kingdom. That's how we enter the, the larger life. We say, Jesus, I trust you and I will follow you. And when you do that, I'm telling you, everything changes. Your whole life changes. When you trust Jesus and follow him, when you step into the more that God has for you, when you enter the life that really is life, and you begin for, to live for something bigger than yourself, it changes everything. You're no longer living the parable of the rich fool. You're living the story of Christ and his kingdom. And your whole heart changes direction from hoarding, me, 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 I, 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 to generosity. How can I make a bigger impact in the world. That's what the kingdom is all about. The kingdom of God. It is the reality of what God is doing on this earth. The kingdom is here. It is real. God is transforming our world. And by the way, that kingdom is an eternal kingdom. It is unshakable. And it is coming. And so I want to give my life to that. I want to be a part of that. When you make that decision, it changes everything. And I don't know what that's going to look like in your life. We all have different financial situations. But I'll just talk about what that looked like for Angie and I. As we said, we want to live for more. How did that change our life? And I'll just tell you a, a short story. My wife was at the doctor's office. Doing what we all do. You go to the counter. You pay your bill, right? You give them your debit card. And they run it through. And she does something that just shocks everybody. She writes down the transaction in her checkbook register. You're like, looking, okay, I know I wasn't going to get any amens there. That's not very exciting. <laughs> right? I mean, doesn't, don't, doesn't Chase, doesn't Visa keep track of all that? Why do we need to keep track of all that? I mean, the, the lady at the desk was just shocked. You're writing that down? What? She was, she, she's just her mind blown. She actually started polling the ladies in the office. Hey, you guys do that? Anybody here write down, you know, in the checkbook register? Anybody doing that? And he's like, no, it's not just that. Like, we, 
we actually take time every month. We have a budget. And when she said the B word, she was just shocked. Shocked. Why would we do that? So for two hours every month, my wife and I sit down and we have a budget date. It's not, you know, the sexiest date. It's a budget date. Why do we do that? Because we're living for more. We don't want to just let other people think about our money. We want, we want God to use what he's given us for greater good. And that simple decision has changed everything. We've been doing that for 19 years, two hours every month since the first month we were married. And it's the grace of God that somebody sat down with us and just showed us how to do it because we had no idea. We've been doing that faithfully for 19 years. Why? So that we live on less? No, so that we can live for more. And the very first thing we do every month is we take 10% and we give it to the kingdom of God that is here, is changing lives and changing this world. That is our number one. Before we pay Hulu, before we pay our mortgage, before we pay our credit card bill, we're giving to the more that God is doing in this world. And that is a very weird and different way of looking at the world. And people go, why, why would you do that? I think for a lot of us, generosity is kind of what we do with the leftovers. It's what we do after we've paid our bills. It's what we do after all the needs and the wants have been met. But you guys know the Bible flips that on its head and Jesus flips that on its head. He says, and giving becomes a first priority, not just what we do with the leftovers. And whether you're here and you're in seventh grade or whether you're 70 years old, you can start living for more today. You can begin to live a life of radical generosity. And it is radical in our culture today. But how does that relate to the stink that we talked about earlier? This is what I believe. I believe that the beginning of financial health is to trust Jesus and start giving. And let me explain why. Let me explain how this relates to the statistics that I just shared. My, our commitment to live for something more, just in our own family, every smart decision we've made with money has flowed from that commitment. It's why we're spending less. It's why we're budgeting. It's why, we're, it's why we paid off our debt. Not just for less stress for us, but so that we can live for more. I'm telling you, you don't even have to be a Christian today. And this principle will work in your life. life. If you will begin to give, if you'll begin to live for something more than yourself, it will ripple effect and change the way that you handle money in your life. And it will be the beginning of financial health. I really, truly believe that today. Living for more. It's not more money. It's not more foolishness. Guys, our problem is a heart problem. If we'll live for more, if we'll get out of that parable of the rich fool, and we'll live for Christ and his kingdom, God is going to do a work in your life. It doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow, but it will happen, and God will do a work of restoration in your life. So we're going we're gonna to take communion today as we close out this Restore series.
I love the table. I love the picture of the table. This is a reminder that we are never going to outgive God. God so loved the world that he gave. You're never going to outgive God. Because he gave it all for us. That's what this table is about. It is a visual, visual picture of the love that Jesus has for you and what he gave to bring you into a bigger story. And that story is yours by trusting Jesus. You can enter that story today. It's available to every one of us. If you're not ready to enter that story, that's okay. And I would just encourage you, you can just let this go by. We're a church that values genuineness. So if you're genuinely here today, you say, I want to trust Jesus with my life. I want to receive the new life he has for me, transformation, all that. Take this. But you're saying, you know, I just, I'm not sure about that today. It's okay. There's no shame in that at all. We're all in different places. But this is a reminder of hope and healing and restoration for every area of our life, whether it's finances. We have hope because of the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead. And that's our hope that we celebrate today. So I want to invite the ushers to come forward. And actually, I just, I want to pray. So, um, so God, thanks for, thanks for the table. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, for rising from the dead. As we share this meal with you and with one another, please, God, get us out of ourselves, get us out of our head, and open our hearts to the more that you have for us. There's more for us today. And it's here in the cross. And it's here in Jesus and in his resurrection. So God, meet with us as we meet around this table.